You might be thinking to yourself, Spencer, there aren't any more angles to look at a media deal that doesn't exist. But to quote Tony Stark from the first Iron Man movie, I respectfully disagree. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. We're over 2,200 on YouTube. We've got hundreds more on the podcast side. Appreciate all of you out there. Also appreciate my lovely question askers. And uh, you can be one of those as well, YouTube comments or Twitter at Smalls under underscore 55 or at LO underscore PAC 12. Many thoughts on one question that came in today from David Brown. Spencer, you do an excellent job. Appreciate you. You have insight. Not everybody feels that way. And you know what? That's okay. You have insight into Oregon. Do you think the PAC should expand or try for an ACC type grant of rights to lock in UO and UW for five to seven years for more money instead of diluting the payout by adding SDSU plus question mark SMU? Um, sorry, that was, uh, that was somebody else off hiding in the corner while I record my show. Anyway, so I think from a timing standpoint, the sweet spot for the PAC 12 is actually five to six years. Now the previous media deal added a G5 team in Utah and incorporated, I don't remember for exactly how many years the deal was for, but it incorporated Utah to become a partial earner from a media rights standpoint, then a half earner, and then eventually a full-time earner years down the line. But I do wonder if the Pac-12 isn't looking at what's happened this round of media rights negotiations, and look, maybe they're okay with it, right? Maybe they really are as confident as President Robbins was saying, like I was talking about on yesterday's show, in terms of the deal they're going to be able to get, and they won't care about when they have to negotiate their next deal. But I don't. I, I really wonder if the Pac-12 isn't looking at what's happened this year and all the you know the, the negative PR and the stress and the extra time and all this sort of stuff. If they don't think down the line, hey, maybe we don't want to do that again. So the Big 12's current deal, right? They they basically extended their previous media rights deal, and that's going to be up for either extension or renegotiation or change or whatever again for the 2030-2031 season. So I wonder if the Pac-12, whose new media deal will start in 2024 and hopefully drops this week, I wonder if they don't look at that timeline and say, maybe we want to go the five to six year route because that way we'd be on the market before everybody else. Now, I think that's contingent upon what they're able to draw in this round of negotiations because if they do end up getting a deal that's better than the Big 12, which I think is possible, but... And, you know, 60, 40, they probably don't. They're pro- My guess is they're probably a couple million under, but very much in the ballpark. I wonder if they would want to do that again or if they would want to do something different, if they could see an advantage to being on the market before everybody else. But the deal that you mentioned in here, David, the ACC that locked in like a 20-year deal, right? I think they locked it in seven years ago. It runs till 2036, 
And, you know, there's been some speculation about whether or not schools like Clemson and Florida State, which do have an above average media evaluation, and they're two of the few non-Big Ten SEC schools that actually have that. The other ones are Oregon, Washington, Notre Dame. I'm missing a couple in there, but I might only be missing one or two. But basically, those five schools are kind of the most powerful, you know, media entities in the college sports landscape. But there's been speculation about whether or not Florida State would want to get out of that. But then the conversation moves to, well, you signed a deal as a university locking you into 2036. Would you actually be able to get out of that? And we really don't know. But I think one thing we do kind of know, or at least I feel pretty confident in saying, is that Oregon and Washington both have an interest in being in the Big Ten. Financially, stability, uh, perceptionally, you know, all that sort of stuff assuring that you're in one of the premier conferences in the country, I think both of those schools would accept an offer to the Big Ten. Whether or not it would actually be reciprocated is another matter that I, I still see people not fully grasping. There are still, apparently we got to repeat it. Some of you are tired of hearing me say it, but we got to go again. I will not rest until everyone understands this concept. Oregon and Washington may be in the Pac-12 by default because they don't have a better option. I don't think either really wants to go to the Big 12. I would imagine Washington certainly does not, but I don't think Oregon does either. But I think both would want to go to the Big 10. But that is not something where Oregon and Washington just flip a switch and boom, they're going to the Big 10. That offer has to be, has to come from the conference. There has to be actual interest there. And they took a look at Oregon, Washington, and the Bay Area schools, Cal and Stanford, and they said, mm, we're good for now. And it looks like the Big Ten, at least right now, is good for now. But you can't know what anybody's going to be thinking or feeling in the future. So I, bringing this back to the Pac-12 deal, I think five or six is the right number because obviously you want Oregon and Washington to sign on and be committed to your conference because those are now your two most important institutions by far. But if you're Oregon and Washington and you have a long-term goal of being in the Big Ten academically and athletically because it's superior to the Pac-12 in both of those ways, then if you sign a five- or six-year deal, I think Oregon and Washington, or if you propose one, I think Oregon and Washington would sign on to that because they could be thinking, well, maybe the Big Ten doesn't want us right now, but they could want us in the future. And if you want to leave that door cracked open, right, Either there has to be some sort of legal jargon that would allow them to leave early and get out of the grant of rights, or the Pac-12 could look at it and say, why don't we sign you know, a, a six-year deal, so 24, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, and then when the Big 12 deal is up and there's going to be more realignment news right, kind of around that time, and maybe they could go 7, but I, I think 5 or 6 is probably the number that, that I would see them going with here. Oregon and Washington might say it's still in our interests to sign the deal because it gives us stability for now, but down the line, we could still leave the door ajar for the Big Ten. So that's why I think a five or six year deal is going to be the range. I, I can't see it going over seven. I, I, I do not now. I am not a media rights expert. That is just my personal opinion. That's kind of how it works here on the show, but I can't see it going over seven, given what the Big 12 has done, which is in many ways a comparable league for the Pac-12 on, on the media front, right? Some valuable brands and teams remaining, but you just lost your two biggest ones and you know they're going to renegotiate around the 2030 year. 
And I think the Pac-12 will will do the same. The second part of your question here, David, would you lock in UO and UW for five to seven years for more money instead of diluting the payout by adding San Diego State and maybe an, an SMU, for instance? Those would be my top two choices. And by the way, if I were the commissioner, well, not necessarily if I were the commissioner, but if I had my way as a college football fan, I would want to add San Diego State, SMU, Boise and Fresno State. I would like to add four, but don't think that's particularly likely. It looks like it will end up being two. But I do think you want to add those schools, even if you have the concern about Oregon and Washington potentially leaving. And I will tell you why after I tell you about Built Bars, because they are delicious. And the Built March Madness bracket is here. I've already filled mine out, right? It's a lot better than my actual March Madness bracket, which stinks. Last year, mine was really good. I won a couple bracket pools. This year, mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, bracket giveth and the bracket taketh, but the built March Madness bracket, yeah, it only giveth. You can go vote for your favorites. I voted for the mint brownie all the way. Mint brownie bar, just barely edging out the mint brownie puff in my personal view. But the best part is 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built when you vote for your favorite bar or puff. You'll be entered into a drawing and one locked on fan will get a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. Run, don't walk, run to builtmarchmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. I think the the five to seven year window, though I think it'll be five or six, is also right with the idea of adding two expansion teams because you could write in a deal where you say, okay, here are the G5 schools we're adding. Here's what their payouts are going to be. And it'll be higher than the Mountain West, you know, so of course they're going to take it. And if if the offer does indeed come down, which I very much hope it does, San Diego State San Diego State fans know by this point. I'm like the biggest Aztecs fan out there in terms of Pac-12 podcasts that I know of. Haven't talked to all the other hosts. I don't know if uh, my man JT Whistler still at Lockdown Utes would be as thrilled given that 2021 game. But yeah, you know, anyway, water under the bridge and such. I don't think you could get Oregon and Washington to sign a deal longer than six, maybe seven years. But I also wonder how the valuation is going to work with San Diego State and SMU. Because if you if you have your deal expire in 2029 or 2028, then what you would have is an opportunity to assess at the time where the conference stands from a media rights valuation standpoint. And if San Diego State and SMU in that time really grow their brands tremendously and outperform expectations on the TV rights front, then you could go into those media rights negotiations with a stronger hand to play because you'd have that presence in Southern California, not the same as before, but that plus tapping into Texas a little bit. I know people always say SMU is, you know, like the seventh most watched team in Texas and San Diego State's no good and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, right now. Right now, that's what it is. But look at what Utah is now from a football standpoint compared to what they were when they joined the Pac-12. It's night and day. Now, the Utes had a lot of success in the Mountain West, right? They had an undefeated season. They won a Sugar Bowl. They were really, really good. But the point still stands that Utah rose up to that level. But then once they got in the Pac-12, they were good, but not great. Never terrible at the start. And now the last few years, they've been the best football team in the conference. They've played in each of the last four full-season college football 
Pac-12 championship games. G5 additions are a long-term play. It's a very important thing to remember. So I wonder if that wouldn't be an option. And by the way, speaking of David Brown, who asked this great question, and again, YouTube comments, Twitter, ask me anything you want. I will always answer it here on the show. I've never been asked a question that I didn't answer here on the show. That was, you know, actually like well-natured and such. But I appreciate all of you who do that. David threw out an option the other day. And David, I got to shout you out for this one because I think this is a great idea. And I, I hope it is in the Pac-12 media deal. Whenever this, thing's, whenever this thing comes out, maybe it'll be tomorrow when the Pac-12 CEOs meet, which won't happen again until April 10th. Media rights is expected to be on the agenda. We'll see. We'll, we'll wait and see. But David's idea is that every week there should be a flex option. And the NFL has this. And you will not find a bigger proponent of keeping college football and the NFL as separate and distinct as sports as possible than yours truly, other than maybe Josh Pate of the Late Kick Extra podcast. I mean, he and I are in lockstep agreement on that front. I want them to be different. It's what makes it great. It's why I love falls. Saturdays are different than Sundays. It doesn't mean, however, there aren't things you can look at in the NFL and say, that's a good idea. And from a Pac-12 standpoint, if they could work this out, a flex scheduling option would be a great idea. Because as you go in the course of the season, right, typically the games are kind of scheduled ahead of time in terms of what network or what channel they're going to be on. But if you're the, if you're the conference, it is 100% in your best interests to have the option week of to say this game was going to be on Let's say Amazon's the other partner. But we'd actually like to move it to be the ESPN game because it's the best showcase game of the conference this week, right? Or something of that nature. So the best example that he gave is the one that I would have given as well. And I think David's a, a, a UW fan. I could be wrong, David. Quote me if I'm incorrect there. But the best example of this is 2022. Oregon State played USC on the Pac-12 network. Not okay. By the way, there probably would have been a greater viewership for that game if it had been on Amazon Prime because more people have Amazon Prime than have the Pac-12 network. Just saying. But that game should have been flexed for the Pac-12 into an ESPN window. Even if it was a late night kickoff on ESPN, still would have been better than putting on the Pac-12 network. And it is... It, it, it is a shame and a travesty. It was at the time. It was my biggest takeaway from the game, actually. It was a great game. USC's offense played horribly, but their defense picked off Chance Nolan four times. Oregon State's defense was awesome. Reeser was packed. There's history of USC losing there. Everything was great. And Oregon State was robbed of a greater opportunity to showcase their football program under Jonathan Smith. And that game should have been flexed to... A linear, a linear station on an individual level, but it wasn't because that wasn't an option in the previous deal. I have no idea, not one iota of a clue if that's going to be possible in this deal, but man, I would love it to be. I would absolutely love for that to be an option for the Pac-12. So anyway, great question, David. Great point. This one came in uh, from Raleigh Stanford. All right. 
I don't know if that's actually your last name or if you're a Cardinal fan, Raleigh, but hey, I'm here for it regardless. He was asking a question basically about research money and endowments and how that money sort sort of works. Because one thing that I've brought up consistently in these, re, in these realignment talks is that athletics is a big factor. It is not the only major factor. It's not even the biggest driving force. At the very least, it's on equal footing from a financial standpoint or, or from, from a consideration standpoint with, with acad- academics and athletics. They're at the very least on similar footing there. And I did some digging to just kind of show you why. So research money, when you talk about that sort of stuff, is the amount of money that a, res- that a school has access to via grants and funding and donations and a whole bevy of sources for their university, whether that's a medical school, science, technology, what, whatever, right? There's, there's a, a schools do a bunch, a bunch of research. There's so much money at these places. It's insane. So let's look at Utah, for instance, who made the jump from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. A- athletically, it was a no-brainer, of course. You'll get more money for your programs. You'll get greater visibility. You'll play in bigger games. They've played in Rose Bowls. You, you know, like all that stuff is huge for, for the University of Utah and helps them tremendously. The other reason that it's a massive upgrade for them is because the Mountain West, to my knowledge, is not much of an academically driven conference, but the Pac-12 very much is. Now, in 2019, Utah became a member of AAU, which every school except three in the Pac-12 are members of, and Utah has now also garnered the designation of being an R1 institution. In fiscal year 2022, this is according to to their website, so the numbers that they tabulated and put out, they did $686 million in research at the school. That's money that comes into their university via grants and such so that they can use it to apply to their research, to pay their faculty, to, you know, put into the school and grow its reputation in that sense. Four years ago, that number was 500 million. So in four years, the amount of research money that has increased at the University of Utah is about $186 million in four years. And yet, People think that the only reason someone would go from one conference to the other is for an extra three or four million a year. Okay, got it. Their goal, their stated goal as a university, by the way, is to get to a billion dollars, which is why they're more than likely going to continue, as they have stated, to want to be in the Pac-12. I will tell you why that is and why I would bet on that if I could, which I would do at FanDuel if that were an option. But you can find everything else you need on FanDuel. Don't get me wrong. The tournament is heating up. March Madness rocks. Gosh, it's good. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
Okay, so if Utah wants as a university, as they have stated, and I believe them because this is what universities do, get to a billion dollars in research every year, their best bet is to stay in the Pac-12, not go to the Big 12. Because having access to this sort of money and getting it to come into your university, it's kind of, there's an associative quality. And when you're in the same conference as Cal and Stanford and Washington and Colorado, which also does a boatload of research, by the way, you are more likely to get more money now and in the future than if you were associated with schools that don't have that sort of academic standing, right? It's very much a status thing. It's a very elitist thing on the one level. Everyone who wants to levy that accusation, by all means, go for it. But this is how universities operate. I'm just telling you how it is. Now, the research money that Utah brought in, this is their own information here, federal funding for research grants is the biggest source of where their money is coming from. And about 69% of it comes from lots of various departments within the government, education, uh, you know, health and human services, military, like all these different sources who, you know, want to give their money to universities so that they can help develop technologies that help, you know, shape the future in, in some form or another. Other universities represent 8% of that funding, foundation, 5%, state government, 4%. So overall, I think I was missing uh, one, one, source of, uh, one, one source of funding in there. But anyway, that's kind of how they piece all this money together and you arrive at that number that is $686 million. And yes, it's a lot of money, but funding the experiments and the research that change the world costs a lot of money. Always has, always will. But they go to places like the National Science Foundation or the federal government or state government or other universities. But basically, who you hang out with in that sense is very much determinant on how much money you can bring in. It's why since Utah joined the Pac-12, the amount of research they've done as a university, hockey stick graph. I mean, it's gone straight up and they want it to continue going up. That's not going to happen if they go to the Big 12. They don't. The Big 12 doesn't have... Uh, they've got one AAU school, and they've got, I think, their, their highest total or so. I, I wasn't able to get every single number, but basically, the amount of research that Big 12 schools are doing tops out for the high end of their conference in, like, the 300 million range, whereas Utah is at that level. Colorado, meanwhile, has topped $1 billion in research for six consecutive years. And remember, they came from the Big 12. In 2008, prior to the Pac-12 move, they were still doing a lot at $661 million, but they are able to get more money now because of the conference that they are in. And their money, and again, this is from Colorado, comes from federal, state, international, and foundation entities. It's basically just higher-ups and people that you and I will never have contact with and will never meet in our lives and may, may not even ever know the names of. And their stated goal is to advance research in laboratories and in the field. And Colorado's got a big medical school that does somewhere in the... I, I saw a couple different sources saying different things on this. Uh, Colorado said one thing. The National Science Foundation said uh, said another, but basically, it's in the about seven hundred million dollar range just for the medical school. Just for the medical school. So 
that's kind of a, a condensed version of how all this stuff comes together and why there's more. Now, does it depend on how much the president cares about athletics versus academics? 100%. But this is the other side of that realignment coin. That And, and I'm glad that this question was asked, by the way, because it's fascinating, frankly, in, in many ways. And also kind of mind-boggling to see how much money these places really have. It's, it's ridiculous. But that's how endowments come together. And when you're in the same conference, when you are directly associated with the Cal, Stanford's, and Washington's of the world, and until recently USC and UCLA as well, that gives you greater access or access to a greater pool of money financially for research and development than if you're in a G5 conference, right? That That's one of the motivating factors. Not the only one, but one of the motiv motivating factors for conference realignment and moving that stuff around. So Raleigh Stanford and David Brown with a couple of top-notch questions today. Um, I'm going to expand more on this tomorrow, but Pac-12 basketball is <laughs> just kind of broken at the moment. I mean, it's not in a good place. It hasn't been for some time. We haven't won a national championship in men's basketball. Women's basketball, we're fine. I mean, Stanford rocks and now Utah rocks and Arizona's good. I mean, like they, they, they got a bunch of great teams. But on the men's side, there hasn't been a Pac-12 national champion this century, which is just yikes. Even football's had that, right? Football's even played in a couple. You know, Washington made a Final Four in football. Oregon's been to two national championship games. USC back in the day won a couple and went to another one. Basketball has just been a mess. And I'm, I think there's a commitment problem at, at some level with these schools. But frankly, it comes down to coaching hires. Like when you just look at the hires that have been made, very few of the Pac-12's coaches have been desired by other schools or have really been immediate home run hires. Mick Cronin at UCLA, great hire. Andy Enfield at USC, good hire. Hasn't been great, but did get them to an Elite Eight. So I, I would say he has been good, not great. Dana Allman at Oregon has been great. That's kind of where it ends. I, I mean, Sean Miller was great at Arizona for a while. They were never able to get to a national championship game. And they're the last Pac-12 team to do so. And the mountain schools haven't done anything. You, you just go up and down the list and, and say, wh why? Like, why is football in such a better place than basketball? And, and I think the answer partially is commitment, caring, standards. And you, you just don't see it in the Pac-12 the same way you do in, in some other conferences. And I think that's unfortunate. I hope that changes one day. But right now... It's in, a, it's in a difficult place, and look, I'm, I'm optimistic about what the future could hold for football, even without USC and UCLA. I, I think you can put together a good conference there if teams continue to run themselves correctly. But on the basketball front, I mean, top to bottom, you, you, you need changes. You, you need Some changes need to be made or hard decisions need to be made in – in the next couple of years. We'll get to that more tomorrow. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.